Death to America. Find out which American radio presenter said that and what New Zealand had to do with it when I talk to them on this week's Pod 20. Hi, I'm Graham Mack, and before all that, you'll hear from a couple of British podcasters who present news about America. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Birmingham, Manchester and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Let's get into the chart now, and at number 20, Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald, Scrubs co-stars and real-life best friends Zach Bramph and Donald Faison relive the hit TV show one episode at a time. 19. Stuff You Missed in History Class Holly and Tracy bring you the greatest and strangest stuff that you missed in history lessons. 18. Newscast from BBC Radio 17. Happy Place Fern Cotton talks to incredible people about life, love, loss and everything in between. Number 16. Leading with James Ashton. James, who have been the greatest leaders in history then? Because we hear a lot about Churchill and there's probably a few Romans and there's maybe Napoleon. Well, aren't, we living in, aren't we living in a great time of political leadership now, Graham? I don't know if we have. In my lifetime, I don't know if we, if we have lived in a in a, a time of great political leadership i don't know you, you find out after the fact don't you you don't find mm. out when you're in it right now no i don't think i don't think you do i don't think you do i mean we say that the we say this vaccination program is is boris johnson's um you know falklands moment but um uh i'm, I'm sure there's a few other banana skins before he goes to the um the ballot box again i think the thing with um i mean it's all it's so much of it is is perception isn't it um, yeah. And I think the way that you, the, the leaders now, particularly on the, on the business side, they're running bigger organizations, they're more complex. Um, it's not just about, there's so many metrics. So it's not just about delivering profit and getting the share price up. It's um, how happy are your staff and, um, and uh, have you saved the planet? So all of these different things. So I think any outgoing leader can probably grab at least one KPI, one statistic that they've said they that they've done well on. Um I think actually coming out um with uh you know reputation enhanced company um improved is very, very difficult. So um you can say I mean who 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 are great leaders? Who's a great corporate leader at the moment? Um someone like Jeff Bezos at Amazon. Yeah. Um but uh he's also as I'm sure a lot of the political leaders are, he's also a very divisive character. Yeah. But but if you think about what um if all that Bezos had done is f- create um the world's biggest seller of books and that's where he was sat today when he stepped back to do all his other um things like space travel and so on we'd probably be able to say wow what a fantastic leader but the fact that he's gone from uh from books um to video to uh, audio to groceries to all of all of these different things um i mean i think it's uh, immense really so mm. but obviously a very divisive character i interviewed adam newman who was the uh, the first ceo of wework and he actually did liken um the the wework vision which let's face it is uh temporary office space to um 
kind of a, a conquering Roman Empire uh, emperor type uh, type strategy. I couldn't quite see the parallels, yeah. um, but I certainly wrote it down. And it was working for him. So, yeah, you can't knock it. You can't it argue with success. It was definitely working, uh, working for him. He, I, I love, I love. Um, I always like to interview the Messiah because uh, it's great copy or great or great audio. <laughs> I think it's easier in e- that's easier in print. Yeah, it's James Ashton, and the podcast is called Leading with James Ashton. It's at number sixteen this week on the Pod Twenty. At number fifteen, Counterclock. To tell the story of a crime, you have to turn back time. 14. Behind the Bastards, the podcast that takes a deep look at some of the worst humans in history. Number 13, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. Jay's latest guest is Scooter Braun, who's known for managing artists such as Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato. Number 12. Sword and Scale, a true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity and human nature, because the worst monsters are real. Number 11 is The Hardy Report with Edward Hardy. Edward, you've said that social media needs to be better regulated, and I don't agree. Ofcom is the body that regulates mainstream media in this country, and most of the people in charge there are so out of touch, it's frightening. If Ofcom regulated social media, I might tweet something absurd as a joke, and some half-wit at Ofcom might think I'm being serious and fine me. They've done that with stuff I've said on the radio. Look at how they handled the Jonathan Ross-Russell Brand business years ago. Russell Brand said something outrageous on the radio. His listeners didn't have a problem with it. Then thousands of Daily Mail readers who weren't Russell Brand fans, weren't in his target audience and didn't even hear it, complained and all hell broke loose. It wasn't for them. And Ofcom are too silly to see that. Ofcom are idiots. And it's because we have idiots regulating mainstream media in this country that mainstream media is now only relevant to idiots. So we need a place where we can say things that mean something to our audience. And Ofcom can't interfere. Remember, Ofcom stands for the Office of Communication. They're a government body. If you want to live in a society where the government has the power to fine you, shut you down or put you in jail for saying something they don't agree with or just don't understand, then go and live in China or North Korea. The problem you have with that approach is, well, you know, you and I might say this is obviously absurd. This is obviously hilarious. This is ridiculous. There are people, because of the way that the social media rabbit hole works, who that's all they end up seeing. And they start to believe it. And then they share it with their friends. And then they start to believe it. That happens, though, with mainstream media. And one of my No, it's probably the biggest criticism I have of all politicians is that if if a, a public opinion, what people believe is false. Like if people believe, like in the Bre- the Brexit debate, debate is the, the classic one we had here, there were people who believed the immigrants were stealing all the jobs and the immigrants were coming over here work shy, getting on benefits. 
Well, they couldn't have been doing both. They would have, you know, but instead of people, instead of the politicians who are really well educated and really well connected people, instead of them going, oh, wait a sec, if, you know, so, you know, say, say a statistic, I'm making these numbers up for the sake of this argument. But if, if a statistic comes up and it says that 40% of the British population believe that um, British jobs are being affected because of our immigration policies or whatever, if then that's not true because, you know, like one particular fact is we had the lowest unemployment like ever at the time when we had the highest immigration. Um, so clearly that's not true. But instead of the politicians going, no, I'll just stop you there. That's actually not true. This is true. What the politicians do is they go, what do the opinions polls say? And the opinions polls, they say, the opinion polls, they say uh, people are, are, are not happy about the, the current immigration policy. Right. We're going to get tough on immigration rather than go, well, wait a minute. They, they, they know, the politicians know the truth that these perceptions, are, I, I believe that to vote, you should have to take a perception test to make sure that your perceptions are actually are true. Because without that, the people will have these perceptions and it will drive the opinion polls and that drives policy. And the politicians know damn well that this is wrong, but they say they're going to do something about something, which is a phantom. It's not even a real fear. It's a it's a phantom menace and that the, the politicians keep saying we're going to solve all that instead of going, actually, you know what? That's not even a problem that that I think would be would do a lot more to sort but things out. This is, the, this is part of the issue that's out there is and, and I saw this just before we um, started this conversation. So I, I don't have the exact figures, but Tortoise, which is a, a media organization posted something on their, their Instagram story where they talked about how um, less than 30% of individuals in the UK trust the media in general, quote, in general. Yeah. And something in the 30%, uh, only something in the 30% trust the sources that they go to for their news every, uh, you know, regularly, go to their, their, their sources on a daily basis. So when you've got a situation like that, where people, for example, it, it, I mean, it, I find it's really absurd that the number's so low because it, it, someone's going, okay, I'm going to go to the BBC every day for my news and not trust it. That's what <laughs> people are saying out there. But yeah. when you've got a society like that, the, the problem for politicians is how do they communicate either social media where you're combating misinformation or people who are in their little burrows and don't want to come out and hear what you have to say, or you go on the news where people have been through you know, various misinformation and disinformation that's been spread and, and discord that's been sowed, don't trust the sources that they're, they're hearing that comment through. Um, you know, they don't like the fact that the media, for example, might have clipped a, a, a short uh, segment of someone's comment and not put it in the wider context, for example. Mm. And you get issues. So it's so hard to fight back. And this is why you need these companies. They're so powerful and they have this ability. And it's something that, that I'm really passionate about as someone who, you know, is in that group that uses social media on a regular basis, uh, even though sort of the data privacy thing, I think, concerns a lot of people. You end up using it because it's how people communicate these days. And you need those companies to step up and say, actually, we're going to do what's right. I don't think governments berating them or bullying them or regulating them into doing it 
is necessarily going to achieve that. What you need well, to do is Well, they're having a job taxing them, so, you know. Well, <laughs> well the problem is, yeah, they, the thing is, governments try to tax them to to get them to, you know, step up their game. And what do they do? They just moved all of their companies to low-tax havens. Yeah. So you need to have a situation where the companies actually listen to their audience. They work and they say, we're actually going to take that step without being forced to. We know this is right. I'm sure, I'm sure that while he probably likes making a lot of money and having a really successful company, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want to be responsible for spreading misinformation and disinformation. He wants to have a site that actually achieves the aims that it was set up to do. Google probably wants to achieve something similar and doesn't want its companies and subsidiaries to be perpetuating falsehoods and spreading them. And they can do that. What they have to do is say, we're going to set the example here. We're so powerful. We can do that. We can shape the conversation. We can actually do it for the better. Uh, And it doesn't have to be where you're censoring or eliminating voices. It has to be a situation where you're going, actually, this is the best way to conduct a conversation. You know, uh, I, I regularly have conversations about, you know, the conduct of people on, on Twitter. And I was having one the other day and explaining the fact that, unfortunately, Twitter is not a place where reasonable debate can currently exist. No, it's impossible. No, but everybody knows that. And if you don't like that or you can't handle that, well, just don't go on Twitter. No, it doesn't need to be regulated. The Hardy Report with Edward Hardy is at number 11 this week on the pod 20. At 10, today in focus from The Guardian. Number nine, Monday morning podcast. Bill Burr rants about relationships, sport and the Illuminati. Number eight, my dad wrote a porno. Jamie Morton reads it to the world in this award-winning comedy podcast. Number seven, Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number six, Five Minute News, which is hosted by Anthony Davis. Anthony, you're a Brit living in the USA. How did you get Five Minute News started? I started doing it on my own as an independent podcast. And I, when, when podcast radio launched, yeah. I... I thought, because obviously I knew the people behind podcast radio a little, and I was like, Five Minute News would be great on there. Because, of course, the other thing is Five Minute News can be carried by radio stations. You know, it's a, it's like a Five Minute new World News program. And, and Americans don't get much news outside of America. Obviously, if they're going to go and bomb a country, then you might find out that <laughs> that country is the recipient of their missiles. Yeah. But most of the news in the States is news from the States because a lot happens here and I get that. So this is actually quite a nice proposition for radio stations to carry a world news program that is more America focused, but it's still, you know, if it's, if it's important, it'll be the top story, as we just said. So I, I spoke to the podcast radio people and I said, look, I, I would really love you to carry five minute news. So at launch, podcast radio launched with five minute news as a, as a daily show. I think it plays three or four times a day. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And, and then Evergreen Podcast, who are a wonderful podcast network based in Cleveland, Ohio, they heard it on podcast radio. And they then 
podcast radio put them in touch with me and then we started to talk about growing the brand and investment and which was was wonderful really because what i really wanted i didn't want to kind of i had some offers from networks that were more legacy networks and i, I really wanted five minute news to remain independent for it to be trusted as a news source a news service it needed to be independent and evergreen were like we don't want you to change it we just want you to carry on making it and we want to support you and so they they are amazing people and their network is growing in in such wonderful ways was it through them you got on pandora or did that already happen no no i i pandora actually launched podcasts pretty late you know i was already on all of the platforms and then when I saw that Pandora was about to launch podcasts, I think the reason that I get so many listeners from Pandora is I must have been the first person to apply. And so <laughs> I literally was like, the moment I saw it, I was like, whoa, let's do that. And I literally applied. And so if you search news on Pandora, five minute news is one of the top ones that comes up, you know, above NBC and, and ABC. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So that's why so much traffic comes through Pandora is because, you know, people see the five minute news logo and, and it, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, they don't recognize it, but it feels strangely retro and, and, and familiar. And they try it and then they realize that it's some English guy talking about American news and they're like, okay. Does the accent it's, help it's, then it, with the American listeners, do you think? I've been told so. I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to judge, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's the case. You know, it's, we, we have on, on national public radio, which, you know, plays out throughout America, local stations carry NPR. Um, they have the BBC news hour once a day. Yeah. And I listen to that sometimes in the car and that, you know, comes from London or wherever BBC world happens to be based. It used to be at Bush House. It used to be at Bush House, Bush House at the top yeah. of old at the Old Witch. It's it's now in and, um, uh, it's now in broadcasting house, isn't it, in the West End? Right. Yeah. And so that kind of really gave me the idea to do something like this. Was I just loved the fact it's a bit like when nine eleven happened. I was on holiday in Portugal and I only found out about nine eleven. We were in a place with no electricity. It was like a converted water mill. And my friend had an AM radio with long wave on it and we listened to the BBC World Service and, and six of us crowded round the this little transistor radio. It was like the war, you know, we were really, and so at the moment you have heard that an aircraft has, and I was like, whoa, this is nuts. Like this really was, for me as like a radio man, it was very moving to be listening to one of the biggest events in, in modern history through long wave on the other side of the world. And so all of these things have really fed into my desire to make five-minute news for the, for the whole world. You know, Apple's Beats One made me think about it years ago when that launched. My, yeah. my friend Zane is, is the host of the, of the LA version of that. And I just think it's amazing that not to be, not to be limited by territory as radio is, as over-the-air radio is, not to be limited by boundaries, borders, continents oceans these things are not we we just in the modern world when we're all like mixed in and just falling in love with each other we don't need territories anymore it's enough already and that's why you know brexit was very upsetting for me i really felt like we were beyond all that you know the the fall of the berlin wall i mean these things all happen for a reason 
building walls is really not where we should be in, in 2021. It's, that's not what the modern world should be about. Bridges, not walls. You know, that's where it should be. And I think it's the same as broadcasters. When you broadcast, when the internet started to happen in a big way, it was exciting getting callers listening from oh, it was the amazing. other side of the world. Amazing. Very exciting. I was at BRMB Birmingham and I, I took a call from America and I couldn't believe it. And they were, they were listening right. because they were Duran Duran fans and they'd found that, <laughs> that, that Duran Duran were from Birmingham. So they looked to see if they could find a Birmingham radio and were disappointed that we weren't playing Duran Duran at the moment they listened. Yeah. It's amazing though. But it's, it's magic, right? Yeah. And, and I still haven't quite got over that. And it goes back to my earliest days of hospital radio where I would go on the wards and just the idea that we would be able to name someone lying in the, in the hospital bed on the radio like half an hour later and play their song through a tube that went into a plug in their ear. It was so rudimentary. <laughs> and yet, it was just, it's beautiful. I mean, the concept of us talking into these things and it coming out the other side, it still fascinates me. I think it's magnificent. And so Five Minute News really is a culmination of all of my interests. You know, I, I used to be obsessed with Alan Wicker as a kid, you know, a documentary maker, yeah. traveling the world, Wicker's world, making these shows, learning about other cultures. And so I really feel in Five Minute News that we're, you know, I'll, I'll talk about genocide in a country that you've never heard of. That's my job. It's so important to kind of, you know, connect us all as one race rather than as you know, for, for all of this division that has become so popular of late. And, um, and obviously I'm not going to change the world with my five minutes of news, but I'm just doing my little bit as I'm sure you're doing your little bit. And we, if we, and enough of us all do our bit, then there will be a, a, a seismic shift, which is what we need. Um, and, and that also goes back to climate to your question, you know, climate is a big part of five minute news. And the third story is often about climate because right. yeah. there is a countdown clock for that. It really is, you know, terrifying. And they kind of fudged the numbers and they thought that we had like another 15 years. And actually, we've really only got like five years before this warming becomes irreversible. Yeah. And so people are really starting now to kind of. It's a shame that that's become so political because, you know, to the U.S. again, it seems that the right uh, would like to deny it. And it almost seems like the reason why is because Al Gore was so big on it and he was from the other side. And it, it shouldn't be about taking sides. It should be one of the facts. Yeah, it's a shame. It's but Trump was a climate change denier. You know, he didn't even know what it was. He he talked about it being clean water and clean air whenever he was asked the question. Say, I want the I, I want America to have the cleanest waters and the cleanest air. It's like that's not what climate change is. <laughs> it's 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 that's even that's not even close to what climate change is. He just didn't know what it was. Yeah, and no one ever called him on it. And that's maybe the other thing that upset me during those four years, Graham, was that. White House correspondents and journalists, they did not hold him to account. They didn't. And I, I'm the same. I would shout at the TV as like, you can't just let him say that. You've got to, especially when it's factually incorrect. It's a lie. And they let him and get so, away with murder. I don't think it would happen. I think over here it's slightly better. Yeah. But they've they could still challenge them a bit more. But yeah, you're right. They, they did let him get away with it. 
and and so you know people blame trump i don't really blame trump i blame the media for the rise of trump and the rise of fascism and the rise of populism i feel like people weren't watching those networks as much as they were during the trump years they they they're very, he was very good for ratings and in america the dollar is king and so that's really the tragedy of that story it's like and then when a worldwide pandemic came the same year as an election year that was really the that was the cocktail that that was really the cause of all of the death and destruction and as deborah burke said there didn't need to be more than 100,000 deaths in america hmm. if it had been taken seriously after the first 100,000 when they worked out that double masking prevents you from getting coronavirus prevents you you can't get it if you double mask you you literally can't get it they've tested and a mask costs nothing hmm. you have to develop a mask over a year or do trials for a mask the mask works and he wouldn't wear a mask and he said uh, wear masks if you want <laughs> but if they'd have done a double mask mandate from the very beginning and showed facts and said look you're not going to get it you're not going to die there's currently 550,000 people dead in america because wow, of coronavirus wow yeah so that that's the sadness when as you say when politics and facts mix and and stories are politicized and you know it's okay like i would on 5 minute news i would criticize trump when he was wrong mm which was quite a lot of the time <laughs> and i would get a lot of negative criticism on on the reviews on itunes and things oh this is biased and and the difference between bias and factual reporting is very clear to me but if you've grown up in america with biased news and you hear someone say anything bad about your supreme leader you presume it's biased and that's really the difference and trust me for all the criticism of the bbc in england for being a little biased the bbc changes its bias every month i don't know what side they're on but the reality is that the news is down to individuals not the network it's individuals who make a network we are the people who create the bias if there is any it's it's just it's just people it's individuals it's journalists and you know if you go and work for fox news you're going to be of a certain political persuasion and that's just you know the way it is these days so i i i'm proud of the fact that 5 minute news is is balanced i wouldn't say it's unbiased because that's only going to make people get angry because they don't understand what unbiased necessarily means but it's balanced you know it's factual it's calm it's it's just you know i'm not setting out to change the world i'm just setting out to tell you what's going on you decide if you think it's you know if you want to take it on or not it's good stuff it's 5 minute news and it's at number 6 this week on the pod 20 number 5 conan o'brien needs a friend after 25 years at the late night desk conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests so he started a podcast to fix that number 4 shagged married annoyed The only way Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring at their phones is by doing a podcast. At number 3, The Lazarus Heist from the BBC World Service. 
It's the story of what was almost the perfect crime. It was a hacking ring and an attempt to steal a billion dollars. Investigators blamed North Korea and the story starts in Hollywood. Number two, stuff you should know. If you've ever wanted to know about champagne, Satanism, the Stonewall Uprising, Chaos Theory, LSD, El Nino, True Crime and Rosa Parks, Josh and Chuck have you covered. And at number one, for the second week in a row, Comfort Eating with Grace Dent. In the latest episode, the comedian Nish Kumar tells Grace about some of the most important moments in his life and the comfort food that saw him through them. That's it for episode 61 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, James Ashton, Edward Hardy and Anthony Davis. Next week, my special guest is the host of Two Trillion Thoughts. It's the nationally syndicated US radio personality, Griff. Griff, you and I got to know each other at an annual broadcasting convention in the United States that we go to called Morning Show Boot Camp, where radio presenters from all over the world share ideas. And one year it was in Chicago... And we were hanging out with JJ and Dom from a station called The Edge in New Zealand. JJ, I just talked to Dom Harvey uh, last week, probably. Like, well, I isn't was- it weird how we're all over the world doing this and we're all, we all connect up through the boot camp. It's amazing because we're all going through the same issues at the radio stations and work for same the same day. idiots. All the same thing. Dom had stood up. And he was talking about a bit where they'd, they'd, uh, they got listeners to, to, to call in and they were delivering a truck full of manure to somebody's driveway. If somebody had wronged you, if it was your boss, whatever, they said they got this truck full of manure and they, they would, it was a tipper truck and they would tip it on the driveway. And mostly in the room is Americans. And the New Zealand accent is, is tricky for Americans to tune into at first, but You'd got there, and you did a you did a simultaneous translation. Do you remember oh, that? What he said, yeah, what he said is he gonna drop uh, expletive on everybody's. <laughs> and for the most part, you were translating it correctly. But then you said, "Dom said something," and then you said, "Death to America." <laughs> you don't remember that. Graham, I'm glad I got people like you that can always remind me of what I used to say. (laughs) Griff from Two Trillion Thoughts will be back next week on the Pod 20. In the meantime, you can watch extended video chats with my guests on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will Comfort Eating with Grace Dent be at the top of the chart for a third week? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.